Welcome to our third Get Set podcast episode. Thank you so much for continuing to spend your precious time with us. We have a guest in this episode, union actor and stand-in, Janae Hoping, who had so many great insights that we decided to split up her episode into two episodes. So here's part one, focusing on being a background actor, and stay tuned in for episode four, dropping next Monday, March 13th, where we talk about stand-ins and photo doubling work. Let's get into the episode. Welcome to Get Set, an old girls entertainment podcast where we talk set life and stories as three women in the TV and film industry. This episode is a very special episode with our first guest of the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Janae Hoving. Janae is a SAG stand-in. She's been doing it for 15 years in Los Angeles, California. Also, elephant in the room, we don't have Hannah today. Yeah, she's out busy doing But she gave things. us some notes, and she yeah. is so excited for this episode, just yeah. like we both are. So it's uh, just Jess and Mo and Jay Janae. Jay and Mo. And Janae. Woo-woo! <laughs> JJ. <laughs> JJ Mo. <laughs> hey, Janae. Hi, Jess. Hi, Mo. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> we laugh so much in these podcasts. Yeah. First of all, thanks for doing this, and let's talk about you. Where'd you get started? Why'd you get started? Where are you from? <laughs> oh, God. Um, I'm from Minnesota. So I always wanted to be an actor. Did not know exactly what to do. Just knew I wanted to get to Los Angeles. And my first role that I ever auditioned for and booked was in Minnesota for Justin Hawkins, who is now, he writes movies that are actually filmed in LA now. Nice. But it was at U of M. I, he said I was his first edition and first person he casted and stuff like that. And now I'm like, geez look at you go. And I'm like, you know, still just doing me, but um, just just doing me. We all are, right? We're Mm -hmm. all just doing us. And then I moved to LA to pursue acting like so many other people in this industry that move out here being like, I want to do something and just knowing LA or New York is a place to go. And just came out that it was going to be super easy. Moved in with four strange guys that I had never met before, basically. And um, they were like, hey, you should do background. And I was like, what's that? (laughs) Like most people, because you never think about background performers. Yeah. And that's how I got started. They said, go sign up with Central Casting in Burbank. Went to go sign up, got lost, couldn't find it. It's hard when you go there. Mm-hmm. The first there's a, the like fir- a overpass or underpass yes. or something. Uh, the Flower Street, yeah. Cause yeah, I kept going over the overpass and then yeah. driving past the uh, Warner Brothers mm-hmm. and doing the strip on all of back and forth. Thankfully, now they've moved, so they're across the street from Burbank Mall. But yeah, back in the day, I kept driving back and forth, and finally had to get it explained again. And back <laughs> then, like everybody's like the Thomas Guide. I was like, what's a Thomas Guide? Which was the way that everybody got around L.A. Mm-hmm. Was a Thomas Guide. So yeah, I got signed up, and then. Day eight in LA, I worked on my first set doing background. That's quick. Wow. That's yeah. great. That's and it huge. was all because of the guys I moved in with were like, well, what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I came out here to act. Yeah. Thinking it was going to be easy. And it's LA is never easy. No. Right? Well, and background performing is a great starting position to get on set and understand mm-hmm. what a set looks like and feels like, at least in some capacity. So back then, let's talk about that first day like what was going through your mind what did you feel nerves yeah uh, my first show ever did background in was without a trace and we were in downtown la and oh, downtown shooting is always a good downtown time shooting, location <laughs> anything day. could happen yes like, literally anything. anything could happen and you're like hey it's a new york show filmed in la <laughs> so yeah. it was like that first like 
Oh, so this is what it looks like. Never been downtown LA. You start to talk to other people that are working and you start to make friends or whatever. And there was a guy that kept asking me out and I went on my first date from that show because oh I kept God. saying no. It was a big day for you. <laughs> it was a big day. I kept saying no and he wouldn't stop, which you kind of learn as you start working on set. Like, oh, if you get asked out, you just stick to your guns. Like, leave me alone. There's a lot of crazies on set. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, anyone can sign up for Central. <laughs> anybody can sign up for Central. Yeah. And everybody's social does security card. Yeah. yeah. So true. It was just, I remember even when I watched the episode, I'm like, oh, that's my, that was my first day of background because it was with the girl. She was like pregnant and gets on a bus or whatever. And that's like one of the things that I remember about it. And then I see the episode and I was like, oh, that was my first day here. Aww. And, uh, but it was, yeah, working in downtown and then on the way home, cause back then now central, they text you yes. for a bail checks. I love that so much better. So much. Back in the day, I had multiple phones going at one time trying to get through on a line. And if you got through and you're on set, you'd be like, hold on, I have one more person. And you literally would be on set passing the phone from one person to the next. To try and be to on that on job. This, be on the job. Wow. And sometimes the casting director would be like, sorry, I can only do one. And you're like, oh, even at home, I had my cell phone and I had the house phone mm. and both phones going at once trying to call through. And uh, on the way home from Without a Trace, I booked Grimmer Girls. Oh, fun. And I was so excited because yeah. I was always a huge fan of Grimmer Girls. And Warner Brothers lot was my first actual lot that I actually oh my God, ever worked at. The biggest lot to get It's in. my favorite lot. Yeah. And yeah, I same. met one of <laughs> it's huge. Yes. And I met my very first friend. We're still friends to this day. She's she's been so amazing. It was raining. Warner Brothers at the time still had buses that picked you up and brought you around the lot. Mm -hmm. And I remember standing underneath the thing and getting on the bus and him saying, Where are you going? I'm like, I don't know. And my friend, she was like, sweetie, like, where are you going? I can assist you. I was like, oh, I'm going to grow more girls. She's like, me too. Stick with me. And I did. She took me underneath her wing and I became a regular in Grimmer girls. She kind of like, she was one of the regulars and she really kind of helped Navigate pave the way you. for me and really taught me a lot. So I was very, very lucky to find someone right away. That was very helpful. And at this point you were non-union, correct? Non-union 57 for eight. Six, yeah. 57 for now, well, that's like now non union is ago. like 98. For, no, no, it's, oh, it's 132. Oh, 132. So, yeah, it's minimum wage, is what right? It is. Minimum yeah. wage has gone up, it was 675 an hour. Now, minimum oh wage God. is over 1604. 1604. So, and it's interesting because I've actually compared the pricing, the wages from non union ha that have gone up from when I started to union wages that have gone up from when I started and non-union has actually bypassed and raised over yep. union wages mm -hmm. since I've well, started. Well, that's just because minimum wage has yeah. raised, mm -hmm. right? Minimum wage, but that's what, even with the annual increases when, whenever a union contract goes through and they're like, you got such a great deal. And you're like, not but really when you start comparing it to minimum wage. You're like, yeah. Oh, actually it's not that great a deal. And there's still union contracts that pay less. So as a background performer back in the day, what was it, what did you have to go through and is it still the same to become union and like how long was it that you were working on to get into that? It took me seven years to become union. Because wow. then you needed yeah. three vouchers. Well, now, you still, yeah, you still, you still need three vouchers. But at least you can be, you could get Taft Heart lead on a smaller project yep. and it's a lot easier with new media. Yep. But then it was pretty much everyone did background because that's how you became yep. SAG, right? Background, Taft-Hartley, um, special ability. Mm. Um, those were all like, the th and it's still kind of the same thing to this day of to get into the union. My first union voucher was from Grimmer Girls, 
But it's also too, I didn't have a voice back then and I was too scared to always ask. Mm -hmm. But I find like Girma Girls, I, I knew that I, you know, you get to know the crew a little bit. They get to know you and how you work. And I remember going up to the AD aside from everybody else, not in front of somebody. And I just said, hey, if you have an extra voucher at the end of the day, please keep me in mind. And she pulled me to a side later one day and handed me a union voucher. And that was my first union voucher. But it was one of those things too. It's like, I never wanted to do in front of other people. And I've always told other people too, like, don't try to bother them. Just say, if you have any extra union vouchers at the end of the day, please keep me in mind. Because yeah. they have to have X amount of union background performers that are there. Because if that if they can't rush call union performer, they have to give that voucher to right person. Yeah. yeah. So just giving background for that explanation. So if you need ten, if the show needs ten union actors, and let's say one union background actor doesn't show up, that's how you get a voucher. Well, they and have then to give it to a non-union person to pay them as a union. They at least right? have to have it booked. If they cancel, then that's fine. Oh, yes. interesting. Um, okay. yeah. yeah. So I was a background PA with the show that we just worked on and it actually wrapped yesterday yes. like what nine months <laughs> yeah and so what i learned is they have to have i think it's 25 union actors or union background slash stand-ins booked yeah. yeah and then after that they can start bringing in non-union and let me also say what a voucher is it's basically like your time card and you would fill it out to the best you know to almost like to completion and then it'll say like what time your arrival time was what time and that's going to be like your call time whatever your call time was and then you'll put your like your lunches and then there's an ndb if you're union which is a non-deductible break and that just allows them to be able to like put you up to crew call and within the first two hours of your arriving you get a 15 minute non-deductible break where they have to give you food and it'll they'll usually put it up. So if crew call, you guys come in early to get, you know, your hair, makeup, costumes all set. You come in at like 7.30, crew calls in until 8.30. It'll yeah. just allow you to, they put it on your voucher so that way you don't have to take a meal penalty. <laughs> and so what you would do is you'd fill in like seven or no, what what's the time math? Okay, 8.15 to 8.30 to match you up to that 8.30 crew call. And then that way from there, from six hours would be lunch after that uh-huh yeah. and so that way you don't have to take a meal penalty which a meal penalty is extra money if you don't get your lunch right at that six hour mark or yeah. after so yeah, if they don't if they don't call grace because if they call grace for a union performer you have they have 12 minutes to keep filming um to keep you in that grace period mm -hmm. and grace yeah. is just asking for grace not to charge you basically for that yeah. 12 minutes well and technically um, from the experiences that I learned and not every production does this, but they're not, so, it's supposed to be able to finish what up, whatever shot they're currently on. They're mm -hmm. not supposed to do another setup or do anything like that because then it's supposed to go into meal penalty. Sometimes that slides, but there's also a lot of productions that are really good about saying grace in order to finish up whatever angle they're currently filming and then breaking for lunch right. and not setting up something. It's new. just so that way the process doesn't get disrupted. You don't have to come back to it if you're just like moments away from getting something. Mm -hmm. But basically the, for the folks at home, a voucher is your time card a, to get a union voucher. You're basically getting paid or you're getting booked as a union actor, even though you are a non-union actor because they have a quota right. that they're supposed to hit. Right. Yes. Have to hit a quota and also know there's numerous contracts out there. There's not just one. So the contract that Jess was just talking about is the main TV theatrical, the television contract, mm -hmm. but there's new media contracts. There's, and it also depends on which, which area you're working in, because if you're in New York city, 
their contracts are a little bit different for their background performers mm -hmm. and they have a, have to hire a different amount. If you're in say Atlanta, Atlanta is not zoned. So, and what zoning means is they don't have to hire a union for background or stand-ins or photo doubles. The only people that have to be union are the actors and stunt performers. What? So yes. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of... So there's multiple reasons why it's cheaper to film in Atlanta. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's the taxing, it's the zoning. Yeah, because it, it, it all varies. If you Google it, you can put background covered zones for SAG-AFTRA. You can find a little map and you see this map. It shows you in red on this map that I have, which areas are zoned and white is what's not zoned. And you're going to see that 90% of the United States is unzoned for background and stand-ins. So when I first worked on a production in Minnesota, because I did go back home for a little bit and was mm -hmm. doing background, I was like, I'm going to get a voucher. I did not get a voucher. Oh, man. Because I didn't know the rules about that it was what a non-union um, area for background and standards. Wow. So it's just, it's there's so many different areas. So whatever area you're going to be in, make sure to learn the rules for that area because you might be living... You might be living in a state or working in a city that's not zoned where you can't get union as a background performer or a stand-in or photo double. Mm. Would so. you say, based on your experience, that like LA would be the best place? Oh, yeah. Okay. Over 100%. New York. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it really varies what you're going to do, though. And that's, that's the thing. For me, I knew for LA would be the best because I really wanted to do television and film. And so I was like going to Hollywood. Like mm -hmm. that's always, yep. that's always where I wanted to go. And there was no, no ifs ands and buts of going anywhere else. And then I, over the years, as Atlanta got bigger, a lot of people started flocking to Atlanta. And I had a lot of friends who were like, come to Atlanta, you'll book acting roles all the time. But when you get so engulfed, even if it is doing background and standard work and stuff like that out here, um, you get so engulfed in all the connections I've made, all the years I've put in here. And it's hard to break that cycle to up and move to a new area where you have to start all those relationships all over again. Because mm -hmm. yeah. if you get in an area that also about... doesn't pay union background and you exactly. are already union, so there's no going back now. Yeah. I actually had a DP that tried taking me to Atlanta with him for a project to stand in on, on a show that he was doing. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't go. I was like, I can't go for non-union wages. And he, he didn't even know. He's like, mm -hmm. what are you talking about? And I had to explain to him that their background and uh, stand-in performers are non-union because it took so long to fight to get into the union. And I did so many jobs before I did that. Like it's my own personal thing of like, it, I had to fight so hard to get in the union that I don't like doing non-union work yeah. or I don't do non-union work. Mm -hmm. So um, it's, even though it's technically not non-union, it's not having the union support me if anything does happen to me on set. And because I'm so engulfed in being in the union, out here because I'm involved in union politics and I'm a local board member that like if anything happens I have the people I can contact directly to help mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and I do try to go through like reps and stuff like that to uh for background reps there's and that's a great thing too like in LA I know there's background reps that represent every single show so if you do have an issue you can contact one of the union background reps that can come and assist you so if you feel if you're like say you're on location and you're not getting water and you're being kept in sunlight and stuff like that, you can call your rep and say, hey, I feel these are unsafe conditions or or whatever it may be, whatever you may be coming across on set, you mm -hmm. can contact your rep and your rep will go to, usually will go to set and if they can't, 
they will send somebody, another representative to go to set to stand up for you. And so that's kind of, it's, it's something so small, but yet such a really big thing to have. Yeah, because well. Well, when something does go wrong, it it's bad. It's really mm -hmm. bad. When something goes wrong, it's bad. I'll, also, I think we should talk about what a background performer is. Yes. In terms of it's someone who doesn't have a line that is adding atmosphere to whatever is being seen on. So if there's like, if you're at a crime scene and there should be some cops around because, you know, cops at a crime scene makes sense and they don't have a line. That's who your background performers are. Mm -hmm. You're setting the stage, setting the stage and setting the scene. If you're, you know, or maybe there's some looky loose who are like, oh my God, what's happening over here? You know, obviously not saying anything, but they're setting the scene and like, you know, there's a crowd. Those are background performers. Yeah. Even even <laughs> if you're to add on top of that, she's totally thinking the show that we just came off of, which is a lot of that same stuff. Yeah. But if you're in a school atmosphere, like a college or a high school, you are the people that are sitting around the main actors who are making it look like a classroom and making mm -hmm. it look like a real school, like bypassing them. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, walking down the halls. Yeah. And... And, and just think about that. Uh, if you were to take out all of the background or all the people without speaking lines when you're watching something, nothing would look real. Right. And nothing, you, it wouldn't keep your attention. And sometimes it's the people in the background that really catch your attention mm -hmm. because of what they're doing, you know, and, and now they have this thing and I hate it, but they started where they call it tiling where, especially mm -hmm. for crowds and audiences, they'll in a stadium. Cause I did this way back in the day in a movie, but like we had to run around tiling or like taking different. So, so they sitting could, in different places different and then they places, edit it together. And then they edit it together to make it look like a huge stadium. So essentially, built. just to keep the numbers like easy, if you want to look like a crowd of 100, they'll hire 20 people and then and then <laughs> yes. basically tile them around to make them look like to duplicate them to mm -hmm. show that they have 100 people when they actually only hired 20 people to do yep. that. Which would look silly. Thankfully, they don't actually only do 20 people. They, but... they don't. They do, <laughs> they do a lot more than that. Um, they do like 100 for 300. Yeah. And you can't like see different people. Yeah. yeah. I want to say, I don't even remember how many there were when um, I was doing the movie, but there was, there easily had to been like two, 300 of us. Mm. And then having to kind of run around and uh, try to do different positions. And then it, what was so funny back then for, for that specific job, we made fun of it. And I still have it probably on my old flip phone shows how <laughs> long ago it was. They had blow up dolls with fake faces on hats and shirts on. And oh they, gosh. and so it was like, if you were sitting next to that doll, they were like, all right, Gabri Finn, like go to the next section. And you would like, because they had to make it look full. So like, Oh my God. Wow. You, and you couldn't really have two dolls next to each other because of course they can't move. So yeah. Just like... <laughs> Movie magic. Yeah. The it proper is. acting. That's where uh -huh. it's at. Okay. So let's talk about stand-in stuff now. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, really quick. I did have a question. Cause I think, you know, stand-ins obviously a little bit different. I did have a question really quick before we move on about background mm -hmm. as a, as a union actor, I've gotten different feedback. I've gotten, you know, go, go sign up for central casting, be a background actor for a couple things and see what it's like to be on set. And then after I did that a couple times, I got feedback of, you need to watch out what shows you're on. Like you shouldn't do background on law and order because then they won't pick you up as a co-star because you've technically already been on the show. So how about, so then I started doing only backgrounds on feature films. Cause I'm like, well, this is already cast. I can't be cast 
on it in any other capacity. So let me do background on this. What is your, what are your thoughts? What is your my, opinion as an actor? So my thoughts, one, for a lot of people out there, especially if you want to break into acting, I will say I learned so much as a background performer of how to be on set because you kind of, the first time you're going to set, I know my first one was a location and then on stage, you feel like an idiot because you don't know what's happening. You don't know what's going on. Being on location compared to being on stage are two completely different things. And a lot of people are running with their head chopped off on location because you're surrounded by real people that you're trying to keep out while you're filming and not have takes room and stuff like that. Mm. But there's just, it was such a great learning experience because when you start to learn, you're never taught about marks in class when, or you don't even know about marks and marks is something as an actor that you have to hit. So when you're, when you're doing background performing, you're still, they actually call you background actors. Let me, and mm -hmm. performers, let me say that you're a background actor. You're technically still an actor, whether you're non-union or union, because you're still having to make the scene feel alive. You still have to have a motivation of some sort to get from point A to point B, whether that is crossing, like you're way back deep in the background. Sometimes you're like, Oh God, why am I doing this? I hate this so much. But also you're really helping tell the story. It's like if you're um, in Grey's Anatomy, if if there's somebody coming in and you have a code four, if people are just like moseying along, it's not going to bring that intensity that's needed to the scene. Mm -hmm. And your background actors help help with that to make the intensity there with the rushing and and all that stuff. So it's I haven't I think it was one of the best things I could have ever done. I didn't think I would get be doing it for as long as what I've been doing it. But it taught me so much. And then you get to see firsthand like actors hitting their marks or missing their marks or not getting their lines correct or all the mistakes that can happen on set. And you really, too, get to take in how long it takes to set up a freaking scene. Mm -hmm. So long. It takes so long. Like people think it's, oh, like it goes so fast. No, it doesn't. There was a show that I did background on regularly and they never dismissed us from set when they would set up. So we would sit in the hallway or sit on the floor waiting for them to finish a new setup, which sometimes takes an hour, hour and a half. Wow. And we would just be sitting there until they'd be like, all right, we're going again because they didn't want to dismiss us from set. So um, I have a tendency, even as a stand-in, to pay attention too much to what all the other workers around me are doing. And it's watching the lighting set up the lights and the grips move stuff around and the camera try to work their finesse to... You know, because it's it's such a large group of people behind and you really start to learn all the different things that come into it. So if acting is your thing that you want to do, paying attention as a background actor, you get to really start to learn the little things behind. Because when you're acting, you come in, you do what you need to do, and then you go back to hair and makeup and get you your touch You don't get to see all that. And, you, mm -hmm. and you're not on set watching all this stuff. So yeah. like as a stand-in, as a background performer, background actor, you're being able to see everything that's happening Observe. and moving. Yeah. And take that in because, and then after a while you're like, all right, cool. I got it down. But when you're somebody new in the industry, hoping to get further in the industry, it's such a great way to learn. And then also too, it gives you another perspective um, of the different ways that people are treated on set mm. because not everybody is treated equally. And you usually sadly as a background actor, like you're not treated with as much respect because they're like, oh, you're just replaceable because you're hired by the day. Yeah. But it's those little things that you get to learn along the way. And every set is run differently. And, and two, when people say, 
oh, don't go do this. Like if your agent and manager is saying, don't go do this job. It's like, here's the thing. Background casting agencies are completely different than the casting directors that are booking. General Hospital has somebody that's doing, that's hiring the background and doing the under fives. But you're more apt to get, go from a background performer to an under five on a soap opera. Um, and then you have your actual casting What's director. What's an under five? Under five is five lines or less. Mm. So you're still under contract. So you get you you get a contract and that's a union job. But it is one of those things that doesn't exist as much anymore. Right. And yeah. I had an under five and my my agent was just like, it's a co-star now. We don't use the term under five. Mm -hmm. But that's how it happens. Is yeah. I was background and they're like, okay, we're going to throw her a line um, because I like your agent. And I'm like, sweet. here, Yeah. yeah. But that's, how, that's exactly how it happened. That's how I got yeah. my first co-star. And so a lot of people, agents and managers look down on background actors. And here's the thing, like you can't, it's the only way to make something look realistic. Matthew Modine has always said, he's like, I'm no better than you. We all make, like, we all come from the same place. He He's somebody who got his SAG card doing a Pepsi commercial as background. You have Eva Longoria who started out as a background actor. And there's so many more, Lauren Graham and Lauren Graham's book, she talks about when she used to do background acting and that's how she got into the union and stuff like that. So there's so many, actors who have actually started out as background actors and worked their way up. And even if you look at, I mean, they don't do it as much these days, but if you're watching like in Law & Order SVU or some older shows, you're going to see the same actors as one character and come back like a season or two later as mm -hmm. a completely different character. Yeah. So it's just, things have changed a little bit, but you have different casting companies that are casting for background compared to casting for the actors. And they're not looking to be like, who's in the background? Like, no, yeah. casting directors don't know that. I think every single time, maybe with the exception of one time I did background acting too, I was like not in the main shot. I mean, I'm a white 5'4 blonde female, so I generally <laughs> look like a, one of the series regulars at the time. So it was always like, oh, there's my sneaker. There's my, but it was, it was kind of like a master class in yeah. watching these actors, these series regulars take notes from the directors. And I'm like, wow, these are, these are the professionals. This is how it's done. This is yeah. very cool. Ah, Janae is so amazing. Okay. Don't forget to stay tuned for Monday for part two. You can find Janae on Instagram at Janae Hoving. Thanks again, Janae. We Thank freaking you. love you. We love you. Don't forget to stay tuned for episode two, where it's all about stand-ins and photo doubles. Bye.